Check one, check two, here we go. This is it, everybody. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell. Oh man, I have an exciting episode, a cool episode, a special guest, a dear, dear friend of mine. This guy knows me from the beginning of most of my DNA. Uh, and he's also a very super funny, talented comedian, lives in New York. Uh, we grew up together uh, for some time in uh, Virginia, but he's been on Conan O'Brien several times. He tours, he writes, he plays drums. Uh, he does a uh, clean comedy. So if you're a booker looking for a clean act, especially this guy does corporate gigs, sharp as nails, but also cool as hell. Please give it up for Tony Deo, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. That's the greatest intro I've ever had. <laughs> oh, they love you. Uh, thanks for doing this home slice. Uh, this so much fun. And thanks for putting up for that cheesy intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would want it no other way. Yeah, you know, with podcasts, you got to sell it a little bit, man. Yeah. You can't go on there sleepy, you know, if you don't, yeah. you got to, you don't want a cheesy morning radio it. No, uh, not at all. This is not NPR. This is NPR. <laughs> I mean, NPR has got some good sound, though. Some of the, yeah. they're good. You've got a great mic. Your sound is, it sounded good. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to let it pop a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I got this microphone. I was getting ready to start a podcast, uh, right at the beginning of this year. I'm like, ah, oh, let me get some, uh, good equipment. I'll be ready. And then the universe had other ideas for us this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now you're just singing, uh, Aquapella gospel music <laughs> yeah. on the weekends yeah. instead of yeah. to Japan. And, yeah, uh, now I'm super overpowered for uh, Zoom calls. <laughs> but you, I mean, that's a real, like, I almost got that mic because I've been doing some music. And so you're rocking a sure mic. And that I see a lot of podcasters are doing it, but that's yeah. technically uh, like a studio mic. A, yeah, this what Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on this mic. I mean, yeah. not this one. <laughs> I don't have mics. But there's mic, like three but... standard models of the Shure, and I'm a yeah. huge Shure company. Yeah, this guy. is the uh, SM7B. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Like you can you could sing metal on that. You could scream yeah. gore. <laughs> you can yeah. do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, and I'm working with. I, I what is this called? This is the classic. I just have. Yeah, to... that's the the comedy um, club Shure uh, 57. Is yeah, it it's the SM57. SM57 and what's yeah. brilliant about it, it doesn't have any batteries and it's all, yeah, yeah. but it's all analog and it's all like, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I dig the quality. Yeah. Analog's the way to go. Old school, like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> 72, man. Yeah. We've been around the block and then some, but yeah. it's not over. No, no, we're still killing it. We're still killing it. Or oh, I don't want to kill it. I want to live it. I want to live it. <laughs> I'm all about living it. Uh, a will to kill. I've been doing all this meditating. A will, a person with a will to kill will never uh, get all the fruits of life. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but in comedy, it, it does help to kill. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, like, you're more of a quieter comedian. Like, uh, do you yeah. 
there is that temperature in stand-up comedy. Like, where do you find your funny energy? Do you find it like when you're like, I've been doing meditation. It's all about being quiet and letting things happen. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, it's funny when you ask that, I'm trying to think about where I get my energy from. And I think I don't have that much energy. <laughs> like when I started comedy, my only skill was writing. And uh, like I had no performing chops whatsoever. And I think the only thing that's did do gotten banned in high school. I did do marching band. Does that count as performing? Oh, that's big time performing, big guy. <laughs> Just to give a little bit of background, I went to middle school and maybe one year of high school yeah, with Tony least. Deo. And we yep. both come from, I was born in Washington, D.C. And I moved to Buena Vista, Virginia in 83. So I was about nine or 10. And we moved to Buena Vista. It may have been earlier than that. It may have been like 82. That now what, that I what think grade about, did you jump in there? Third grade. Okay. Third grade. I moved in in first grade. Yeah. A couple of years before that. And you came and uh, what we're talking about is a small town called Buena Vista, Virginia, but it's pronounced Buena Vista, Virginia. Right. Or BB. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're a local. And let me tell you, this town <laughs> is legendary in Virginia. It's four hours down south from Washington, D.C. When I say four hours down south, you know, everything, the south begins after Northern Virginia. That's yeah. it. Once you hit Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is where Eastbound and Down Dude is from. Yes. Once you hit, yeah. <laughs> you're from Fredericksburg. I know some Fredericksburg cats. I know that vibe that dude has. Yeah. Uh, once you hit Fredericksburg, you're, you're going in the south, especially when you start messing with, you know, central Virginia and you start getting into where my dad's from is Pound, Virginia, which is down near Abington, which is right at the cup oh, yeah. of Kentucky and Tennessee. Like, yep. I, I don't know if you know this, Tony, but my grandfather was a child working coal miner. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. My grandfather, Fitzhugh Lee Cantrell, my brother's named after him. Uh, yeah, was, was working in, in coal mines in Wise County, Pound, Virginia. Uh, when he was 10 and 11, there's like letters of him, like writing, like from the mine. Wow. Just like, yeah, it's crazy. That was, that was some old, like where, like people don't, people from New York and the comedy scene really don't understand <laughs> no. me or where I come from, but it's more American than just about every, I come from the original Virginia dudes, but my mom's from Michigan and she's German. So it's, yeah. I'm German and redneck, just hardcore <laughs> through and through, <laughs> through and through. And these and I, I'm proud of these hillbillies. Yeah, these hillbillies. None of these weren't the people that owned slaves. This yeah. was the slave owners. Yeah, this was the banjo up on the mountain with yeah. 12 kids in the holler. Right. Running <laughs> moonshine. moonshine. Making moonshine. My dad, There's. Uh, I got these old films of my dad and my dad died when I was 10. But uh I got these old films of him in Pound, Virginia, and he's hanging out at there. There was a flood and it's just like these black and white films. And he picks up a moon moonshine, like like the whole setup, the, the like the, the sill, because during the flood, all the shiners, all the moonshine, dude, all this rubbish came down. And all, all it is up in these hills is just dudes is like meth. But back in the day, it was moonshine because alcohol yeah. was uh, illegal. 
I went uh, first time I read Moonshine was like uh, our twenty fifth or twentieth high school reunion. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. Did somebody have the real deal? Did it? Ha- yeah, it was the real deal. Uh, not that kind think- you can buy in the liquor store now. This not is- that, yeah, there was some st- there was some stuff around that the liquor store that would say it was Moonshine, but I'm no, like, this, oh. this was Mason jar stuff. Woo. <laughs> That stuff will make you go. Bl- did you have a full glass or what? No, did you no, with- just, just a little sip. Just a sip. Yeah. And even that will catch you a buzz. <laughs> yeah. Well- <laughs> it's like the espresso of uh, alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the cannabis coffee hour. And I wanted to lead into this a little bit, uh, Tony. Uh, not that I know you, you're not a huge cannabis smoker. Um, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say I've known Tony like uh, I just to maybe get some background so we just don't start talking randomly for the yeah. listener is I knew Tony in this little rednecky not redneck southern town cool southern small but yeah there it was it was as blue collar as it gets there was a yeah. there was a uh, factory there that wasn't there anymore called the blue uh, bluebird uh, bus factory that made yeah. and I would say seventy five percent of the town's parents worked there yeah. And Modine uh, was there. Remember Modine? Modine was there. Yeah. yeah. And Modine, what did they, they did the food that was in the, uh, didn't they do the food that was in the, uh, in the, uh, remember where you would go to, what is it, uh, where you candy machine and they would have like hamburgers and shit in it? I think that was a different place. I think Modine did like, uh, like air conditioning and like, some yeah. sort of machine like that because in the guy that cuts my hair has some modine thing hanging up in the uh like up against every time i go get my hair cut i see it i'm like it brings me back to growing up yeah that air because it looks like it was made like 50 years ago i know i see the bluebird buses around yep. a lot yeah, of the hasidic it. neighborhoods here in new york in Brooklyn, they have their own school buses. Yeah, so it would be these blue red, bluebird buses that I remember from the South, and they have all this like Hasidic Jewish writing on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. taking kids to school, and the bus <laughs> looks like from World War. You know, whatever. It looks like an old ass eighties. You know, just a yellow school bus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love that town. I love the South. Even just, that's why I love talking with you. So Tony and I didn't see each other. I must I left this town. I moved back to D.C., but I went to boarding school in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, So I left BV and I haven't really been back, but maybe like three times. Yeah. But a major part of my childhood, because it was a tough town and uh, a major, not tough, but it was just like a, you know, I say like we lived in Friday night lights. Yes. Football. Yeah. Drink at the corner store, you know, Hardy's parking lot, Friday night fights, uh, you know, drinking behind the Kroger, all that stuff. Like, you know, that was my eight, you know, that was my early and you knew all the kids I ran with. Oh, yeah. Some of those kids are in prison right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a possibility. Uh, there was one. There was one that kept, that t- did some time, but he's out. He's he's doing good. Uh, I'm proud yeah. of him. Uh, but as life goes, you just don't know how. You know, that's what I was talking. Did you ever know these kids that lived when we mer- first moved to Buena Vista? We my dad worked at Southern Seminary, which is the Southern College. It's there's this small two year college, but uh, 
what was it? Uh, this kid, these guys were so funny. Uh, I'll think of it. I'm, I'm just blanking out on the name here. Um, but he passed away, but he was the funniest, like the funniest, naturally funniest guys I knew. A lot of them are dead now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I look back, I'm like, holy shit, that guy. But now I look back, I'm like, oh, shit, I think that guy was bipolar. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I won't go into it, but I, I, I think I shouldn't bring up his name because they were family friends. But he was the funniest fucking kid I knew. Um, and it was a little and he, they moved away after a couple years in Buena Vista. But I always talked to my brother like, God, do you remember this kid? He was so fucking funny. He was like, yeah, that guy was the, one of the funniest dudes I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, uh, but we knew each other in Buena Vista. And what I say is Tony, Tony was very smart. Tony, Tony had straight A's. Everybody barred Tony's homework. Tony had straight A's. And we were, it was the eighties in this small town. And you were also in the marching band. Yep. But everybody loved you. Uh, you had a marching, but it was like, I don't know. What do you think about high school? When you look back on your high school years, what what do you remember about all that time? It's I kind of want to dig into it because it's just a, a forgotten world. Yeah, it is a little forgotten. And I think, like, I I did feel like an outcast or whatever growing up. And, you know, you get good grades, you're the nerd. And I was in marching band. That wasn't helping <laughs> the yeah. image either. Because it's a town where you played football or you weren't cool. You yeah. know, that. That's just the way it was. And, and the know, guys that played football were kings. Yes. Literally kings. Yeah. And they got the, the hottest chicks. Yeah. They got the hottest. They drove nice cars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it, even, you know, I played tennis, but it, it didn't compare at all to <laughs> the football team. And so, state champs for just to give some background. Like yeah. uh, Pear McClure is a very small high school, but their football team were the roughest, toughest, hit you so hard like these kids were just tough blue collar kids and they won state champions all through the 70s i don't know about the 80s and 90s but there there was a strength yeah. them just winning because a lot of these kids in these towns they played sandlot since they were five like right. football was everything yep. so by the time they got to high school the whole football team had been playing together since they were like seven years old and <laughs> right break people's necks <laughs> yeah yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, you feel a little bit like an outcast and that kind of like uh, shades your memory of it until yeah. I did go back to that like high school reunion and you hang out with these people again and you're like, ah, we're all, you know, we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we all went our separate ways and we come back and it's now I have a lot of like nostalgia for it, even though I felt like it was hard growing up. I uh, have the fondest of memories of all those people. Um, and I love getting back and seeing them. And even the town itself that I didn't appreciate when I was there because I felt like there was no opportunity. Um, yeah. Like I remember, like I, I was like playing tennis a lot and I started getting tennis magazine. And, you know. Uh, was, that was very preppy for this town. Like people, oh, yeah. didn't, <laughs> didn't, people didn't play tennis. They no. <laughs> Red Man. Dip skull, yeah, and fought 
<laughs> and I just as I could sing every Hank Williams song just because I was on that bus. Like yeah. I played football with these <laughs> animals. Like I ran with these dudes. But I was always the weirdo funny. I don't know. It, Tony will give you a little bit of my background, but go ahead, Tony. You started playing tennis and you're right. They, it wasn't dreamers. Like people weren't going for their dream. Right. And then like, you know, I started reading Tennis Magazine and like Agassi was, Andre Agassi was getting big then. And I read into his background and he like, he grew up at a tennis academy in Florida. Like his parents moved him there. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to succeed at tennis. Nobody's going to cart me off to a different state to go to an academy. And I just felt like that town didn't have a lot of opportunity. So I uh growing up i just was like ah i gotta get out of here and then now going back you realize how beautiful it is and it's at the you know the bottom of the mountains and the river and it's a really like beautiful little town but it, as with a lot of things in life it takes some distance and perspective before you really appreciate it in living in queens for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> Queens will kind of shine up that image. Uh, yeah, I love Queens and I love New York. And you and I are, are you know, kind of Southern cats that ended up in New York and actually yeah. have wife and kids here and are doing it. Um, so it's kind of a trip. But yeah, I felt the same thing was it kind of felt like a trap, kind of that small town politics. Yeah. Everybody peaks out at 21. And it was like, I don't even like. I don't know about you, Tony, but I think I'm glad I'm alive because I think I've just figured shit out right. like, <laughs> yeah. how to be a human being and how I should relate and uh, and, yeah. and talk to people like just even the last three years or how to think about things. I've gotten so much better. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt the same way when I was there and even the, the draw as much as I love the South and I don't want to bad about the South because I think the South is laid back and cool, especially being in New York. But there is, I don't know, there's something that can suck you down. I think it's any like local yokel vibe. Like there's something that can suck you down where you just don't spread your wings or, you know, right out a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's got to be people in BV that haven't left the county in the last 30 years you know that's just their life there and they don't go anywhere yeah and I, there's nothing really wrong about that the older i get and the more i've been around <laughs> so i'm thinking that's a nice way to go it's a nice way to go but yeah. you know a, a lot of it's your own perspective and what makes you happy and what's in your yeah. heart you yeah. know in order to complete myself i just felt like i had to go do something even with stand-up yeah, like yeah. It, it it was a calling it was uh and it was a calling i don't know if it may have been my own calling in my brain but there was a point where i could not not do it right and but being in an environment like buena vista like sometimes i look at these new york kids not to i'm not saying but i'll just say chris rock or Giannis papas even eddie murphy like or jerry seinfeld like you guys just came to new york like new york was right fucking <laughs> yeah. here like we had to fight it. rednecks and fucking and bricks <laughs> thrown at it. No, and take Greyhound buses and sleep on couches. Yeah. So everybody else's. You can't judge anybody. But I'm just saying there is something about getting out of those small towns. But now that I look back and I look at the videos and I'm like, man, I could easily move back there right now. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. that. There's a house. I don't want to fucking somebody will grab it if they hear this. But there's a house. <laughs> you got your eye on a house. 
<laughs> a coffee pot house. There's a house. Oh, I know like that. Coffee pot. Yeah. I want that house. And it's yeah. right across the Mari River, which bleeds into the James River. This is a town of 5,000 deep. But there's no big. The biggest city was Roanoke. And that's yeah. where I saw the Fresh Festival. That's where I saw uh, Houdini. <laughs> And, uh, who did when I was a, I went That's there amazing. by myself. You know, did you hear that? I told you that story. Yeah, just recently you told me that story, and it was the first time I'd heard that story in my life. <laughs> I didn't even know that story when we were kids. Oh yeah, and I forget the kid. Oh, some of these names, but his dad worked for uh, that painting store, uh, Phillips Paints, and they yeah. lived right across. They lived right next. You know where the opening was to Paramaclore, where you go into the playground? Yeah. What's that street right there? That's Forest. Forest Street. They lived yeah. on the left-hand side. He was a dude that was older than me, and they, he used to break dance. And we got tickets to the Fresh Festival, and his parents wouldn't let him go. So my mom drove me, and I went to the Fresh Festival, and the lineup was the Fat Boys, Run DMC, and Houdini. And I went to Roanoke, Virginia, Starcade Arena. My mom dropped me off, and I went and saw this legendary, the first hip-hop big tour to ever hit America, and especially the South. Like, the yeah. first time they did arenas. Like, uh, the guy who's the... The super producer was like a backup dancer for it. This guy, uh, I don't know if you know, he was a JD. Um, I'm blanking out. I had a little bit of weed in the shower today, so I smoked a little bit of herb. <laughs> but then I started watching Buena Vista videos and getting into that. And then, uh, oh, that's fun. Uh, but yeah, I'll look up this one. The backup dancer, I don't know if you know him, um, but he was the backup dancer for. Like he was my age and he was backup dancing for uh, Houdini. No way. And uh, this guy ended up being the one of the biggest producers in Atlanta in hip hop music. He produced the brat. J.D.L. Yeah, J.D. Um, I forget his fucking full name. It's not. But he produced the brat and he produced uh little bow wow like any of oh, the yeah. atlanta stuff like he came from that tour which is yeah a deal. uh but uh yeah so that was like my first concert there and then how, how old were you for that dude i must have been so the next year i did go with alan mays oh yeah tony who's the guy with the frizzy hair that was my buddy Big football player, our grade, ended up being Roanoke, I think in finance. Um, uh, Alan Mays. When? Jeff? Jeff. Oh, yeah, Jeff Floyd. Jeff Floyd. So it's yeah. Alan Mays, Jeff Floyd, and I went and saw the Raising Hell tour in Richmond. The two years, the next two years. Yeah. 86. I saw that uh, tour. It was 84, 85. Then 86, I saw it was... LL Cool J with Jeff Floyd and Alan Mays. It was LL Cool J, Run DMC, and Houdini again, but not on the bill, but an unannounced opening act were these three guys called the Beastie Boys. Wow. Yeah, we went and saw the Raising Hell tour. The Raising <laughs> that was right before, like the Raising Hell tour was a big album. And that was right when Run DMC started bubbling, but Beasties hadn't bubbled, but yeah, DMC was out there for breakdancers and people that liked hip hop. 
But yeah, I saw that like the lights went down and then these three and I was like 13 and these three 17 year old dudes come out. <laughs> white dudes and just rip it. They kill. They do three songs. They do hold it now, hit it slow and low and like brass monkey. They just do three songs and they literally just and the stadium was Richmond and this was the Raising Hell Tour. So it was like 75 percent black and uh, and they just killed, man. It was just a great. Yeah. Car. But you were into music. You were a drummer and you actually produce drumming, marching, drumming music. Tell me about your music background, Tony. All right. So uh, we graduate or I graduate from Perry McClure. I went to Madison uh, in and Harrisonburg. It's yep. a really good college about two hours away from Buena Vista. Yeah. And I went there. Uh, it's funny. I, I got into UVA, but I wanted to be in the marching band. So I went to JMU. <laughs> And our guidance counselor was very upset about that decision. <laughs> She's like, you got into UVA. Why would you not go there? I'm like, ah, they don't have a marching band. <laughs> so that's like when you're uh, young and uh, maybe not making the greatest decisions for life beyond that moment. Uh, but I, you know, I'm completely happy with how life turned out. You got I your went, wife at JMU, right? Yep, I met my wife in the marching band, and awesome. I got a music education degree, and then yep. I uh, I went out to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and got a performance degree, like percussion performance degree, and then I moved to Texas and started uh, teaching band down there uh, outside of Corpus Christi, and I taught in Austin for a little while, but uh somewhere uh in college i started like choreographing marching band shows and uh kind of designing the movement for how they move around on a football field and i've done that since then it's uh um it was sort of the reason i was able to become a comedian is because i was able to make a living writing band shows uh you know three months out of the year and I got to do comedy for nine months a year and not have to worry about what was I going to be able to pay my bills or not. Yeah. There's always the beginning side gigs. And, and when you live in New York as an artist or independent, it's, it's good to have a couple. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't have too many. You can, it's good to have a couple side hustles when the main hustle goes down. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something I've learned from the New York hustle. It's like, everybody's got like three or four jobs here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that came in handy, but wow, that is, but I just want to talk to the listener a little bit. Yeah. Choosing JMU is a great school. Yeah. But UVA to get into UVA is really fucking hard. Like, I almost would choose UVA over Harvard. Like it's literally like one of the most beautiful campus yeah. <laughs> out there. Like if you wanted to go to like, I, what you picture like colleges, it's literally Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, that's what a college looks like. That is like a beautiful, <laughs> sprawling, long, young girls, people history. playing guitars, history, <laughs> smart people. Exchanging yeah. ideas, and then all of a sudden, Trump comes in, and we got some neo Nazis. Mark, that's what bums me out about the South, man. Is like the Trump shit, fucking. And then the march on Charlottesville, like people don't understand. Charlottesville is like the chillest town in Virginia. Yeah, and Virginia is chill. I'm just gonna say this from the from the get go. I've been around this planet for a long time, and I've hung out with some of the coolest of the cool. But there's nothing cooler 
than a Southern dude. Yeah. A Southern dude that isn't racist, that is the coolest dude ever. Because they're yeah. laid back. They yeah. stay in the cut. They're musical. They're yeah. not highfalutin. They yeah. like good food. They like good music. But the only thing when you start fucking with the South is when you start fucking with some ignorance, man. And some yeah. of the fucking local yokel bullshit that is fucking this country up and getting QAnon drops. And, and I don't even know what these fucking crazy dudes are doing now these days, man. Yeah, uh, I don't want to go into politics. I don't want to drag you into that a little bit, but I just yeah, want right. to stand up for the South. And a lot of it's the cannabis coffee hour. I do think. Do you think cannabis should be legal in America? Yeah. Yeah. It should be legal. And a little thing is something I always strive for. And I do think I don't think pot should be for people under 18 or under 21. I think it's for the I think it's more important for the environment going towards making plastics with uh, cannabis, which you can do uh, paper products with. It's more of an environmental thing, as I see it. Yeah. And the thing that, that the South got with the civil war, it all the money got cut out because they were having free labor because of fucking uh, slavery, which is awful and terrible. But when the civil war happened, it kind of cut the economy out. Right. So it cut the economy out. So everybody in the South is a little bit, has less money than everybody else that had a jump on the economy. And the reason I always say is tobacco. Virginia was tobacco. Yeah. Virginia made money growing tobacco. Yeah. If you fucking rednecks will get your shit together, <laughs> listen to me, Virginia. You fucking rednecks, get your shit together and legalize pot. You could literally have grow the best cannabis in the world. Like it's literally the Blue Ridge Mountains. Kentucky already has some of that in it. Yeah. As we just grow towards legalization, that's why I stand up for Virginia. And I do think economically it could be a sound and wise move if they move towards that. Oh, and for sure. That's all. That's all. That that was my that was my because I just do know the South and I do know some of the, the old ways of it and what's dragging it behind. And but I don't think drugs are the best thing. And I think uh, we're just learning about mental illness and, and how powerful the mind is. Uh, but as we go forward in life, you know, that is maybe, you know, an angle, especially in terms of environmentally, in terms of mental health and health altogether, you know, it could help out. Yeah. Does that make any sense or was that definitely it? no? <laughs> That's good. I like it. I just I just I, like it's all farmers down there anywhere, and it's all this land, and they're not yeah. doing anything with it, and everybody's not really making I haven't even up. checked. Like, is it something they're even gonna vote on down there at any it's point? It's getting close, but it's yeah. like you know, as we know, Northern Virginia is kind of your liberal hotbed. Right. And That's then you get into enclave. Richmond, which is odd, but my, I have a nephew going to VCU. He loves it. He wanted to go to NYU. I have a nephew already doing stand-up. He want, he's like, get out. yeah. <laughs> he's going to take revenge. He's going to take revenge on the comedy industry for me. <laughs> the seller wouldn't give me spots in 2003, right after I got off last comic standing. I'm bringing my young nephew that's been doing stand-up <laughs> since he was 13 in Virginia. He's going to destroy the whole industry. No, he's cool. He's a great kid. That's but great. Uh, Richmond is a, is, is, it kind of has a cool hipster, like, and it kind of has a cool artist scene. Richmond yeah. always had kind of a cool art scene. Yep. So I said, you know, when you're starting out, you just want a healthy, good, a place where creative people feel comfortable. Yeah. 
And Richmond seems to be that. But it also Richmond also has like a weird conservative side to it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's a balance. Yeah. Uh, what, so what was the high school reunion like when you went back? That was great, man. I, th- I don't know. I think it must have been. Let's see. 2011, maybe. Yeah, I guess that would have been it. That must mean we're coming up on 30 wow. this year. <laughs> Then they had it at the American Legion. There's American Legion in town. We did it actually over in Lexington. There was um... now Lexington is the preppy town next door, and I yeah. knew kids from Lexington, and it it, it is a beautiful. That's where the college William and Mary is in the college VMI, which is the now, Virginia Military Institute. Not William and Mary, uh, Washington and Lee. Washington and Lee. Yep. Yeah, they had that, and I can't even remember where we had it, but it was over in. Lexington somewhere and it was a blast man I'd, I'd love seeing everyone uh, everybody's laid back and nice yeah yeah, yeah it was great and th- that was because I guess that 20th one was the first time I'd really seen almost anyone since high school and that is where like every you're like oh yeah they're all just we're all people <laughs> you know <laughs> we all grew up you know there's no reason to hang on to any grudges or you know that dude was mean to me or whatever yeah but yeah i had a great time oh that's awesome um and have you so for so and then you moved to do you remember not the about me but you hit me up and i hadn't seen or heard of you since the ninth grade yeah I I was on Last Comic Standing. Yeah, I had just started doing comedy. Mm-hmm. And then that first season of Last Comic came on. And I'm like, is that the dude I went to middle school with? <laughs> like, I had no idea. And this was a time, too, where it wasn't so easy. Like, there wasn't Facebook. You know, no. you so it took me a minute to kind of find an email address for you. <laughs> I had a little website. Yeah, that yeah. was 2003. Like I and I just like to. I don't mean to. I'm trying not to pat myself back on the back or humble myself, but I have to lay out my history in comedy. Or if I don't do it, it's not out there. Right. But in 2003, it was the it was literally the number one television show on whatever night it was. It got yeah. monster rage. Huge. And they played it on Comedy Central, too. So they played yeah. it on NBC. It was one of the biggest breaks you could think of. It was almost laughable how funny and how big it went. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I came from San Francisco. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a manager. As you know, I wasn't a theater kid. I was right. just a straight up <laughs> breakdance and goofball and then hung out with the dudes in the back of the class. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it, you, you hit me up via email. And yeah. Like, Tony Dale. Yeah. And then I <laughs> thought you were somebody else. But then I was like, oh, Tony Dale always had a marching band jacket. And That's he right. always had this rad ass marching band jacket. But he also <laughs> the school was not that diverse. So there was uh yeah, there was no Asian kids in our school, but there no. was Tony. Tony got straight A's. Tony got A's in math. You got A's in history. You couldn't stop his grades. I can't believe you turned down UVA. UVA is a beautiful fucking school, dude. I know. Dude, I know dudes from Northern Virginia. You know how hard it is to get to UVA if you're in Northern Virginia? Yeah. It's harder than Harvard because there's so many schools up there. And they only take so many people from Virginia. So you were in a county that you were the top guy 
So you had the choice of yeah. the state. Yeah. But JMU is more modern and it's for music, like you said, yeah. like Yeah, it was a better music school for sure. Better music. I went to wrestling camp at JMU. I did wrestling. If anybody knows, I was uh I, w- I wrestled since I was in the third grade. The Sherlock's. I don't know if you knew Cameron oh, Sherlock. Yeah, those guys, so the head wrestling coach of Virginia Military School, you're not talking like beyond tough guy Trump dudes. Like this is like the top wrestlers <laughs> that coached at the military college. Uh, oh, these guys are tough motherfuckers. So I yeah. would go to wrestling camps with Cameron wow. when we were in the third, fourth, fifth grade. So I was never, as you know, I was never alpha male, whatever uh, dude, but I could wrestle. Yeah. And I was for and I grew up in D.C. So I grew up, you know, a little bit tougher than a lot. Not tougher, but I've been around the block a little bit. Yeah, that and I think that helps a lot. Like that's what I think is even great about raising my son here in New York City is like there's going to be a time in his life where nothing gets by him. Like you're not going to be able to outthink him. I'm like he's a New York kid. you know. Yeah, they just know subways. They know homeless yeah. people. They know yeah. yelling. They know screaming. There's chaos. There's yeah. uh, as soon as you walk out the door. That's the thing about I got a car, Tony, during this thing. And I've never had a car like I haven't had a car in like 15 years. Oh, no one kidding. thing that bu- I like it, but there's no chill. There's no chill driving. It's always no. on. And when you go outside in New York, it's always on. So yeah. it's like you you, you can't. You can't be a Jamokin and get by here. You just, <laughs> yeah, it's just not. You're gonna, you're gonna lose out. I've and I've seen, and I, I got kicked out of this town. I tried to move here twice before I finally settled. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, right before last comic standing, I moved out of San Francisco, and I got a ride with a girl that sometimes stripped. And we went to Las Vegas and we saw a fish concert and I stayed with my friend, Adam Jones. But this girl was also artistic. I didn't hook up with her. She was also like, she was, she dealt ecstasy and painted and stripped on the side. Like she was, she was a couple of side hustles. She had, uh, she had a bunch of side hustles, but her main thing was like, she was a super hippie chick, awesome chick, one of the coolest chicks. And she ended up dating my friend. But I stayed there. And then I took a train from uh, Las Vegas to Buffalo, New York. And I had a friend from college that was uh, redoing houses there. And I did manual labor with no fucking insurance for two months and made like three grand in Buffalo during the winter. Oh, literally deconstructing hammers, tearing up old houses in the project, stacking wood, no insurance, paid under the table old friend from college just like okay i got you for two months and then from buffalo i went to new york and i got to go to the lower east side i went to surf reality i saw brody stevens at surf reality i saw i saw the lower east side when it was really the lower east side and yeah surf reality was like the it was the creek in the cave before the creek in the cave but it was in the middle of the lower east side when the lower east side was literally andy warhol and then a bunch of dudes shooting heroin Right. <laughs> uh, and a couple punk bands and Gigi Allen on the corner. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I remember going down and I remember being scared walking down these streets and it was before smartphones and shit. And I would have to get the map. I would, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I, the worst. When you got to pull out a map. 
Go ahead, pull out a map and all the lights are down. The the show started at 1130 and went to five o'clock in the morning and I would get on at three, five. At, but it was cool about it. But coming from BV, this all blew my mind. Like it yeah. was like it was like I've never it was like universes exploding in my brain yeah. in front of me and I could smoke pot at surf reality. So you would wait on these things and wait for your spot at three o'clock. So I just sit there and smoke one hitters and drink tall boys and go over <laughs> my notes. And nobody <laughs> knew me because I was just coming in from town and crashing on. But that was my first time I, I hung in for about two months and I couldn't make it happen. And I yeah. went back to San Francisco, which ended up being the best thing. So another year of San Francisco, I was uh, living in a hostel. I was doing shows. I was opening for Mitch at the at the punchlines and I was just working work. I was so yeah. focused. I had no life, but stand up. And that's when I got yeah. last comic standing the first time, the very first season that show ever got on air. So you yeah. saw me and you're like, I think I know, you know, I think I remember <laughs> getting the email from it because right after last comic standing, not to brag, but I was getting like 500 emails a day. Like it was before social media. So all, yeah. all that was, was like, I was on NBC and I was on comedy central. Yeah. Stand up hasn't really, there was no big Netflix deal. Stand up was just crawling out of the dark ages of yes. the nineties. Yep. And I caught that first big fucking wave and right behind me was Amy Schumer and everybody else. But yeah. I caught that wave when it was, nobody was on that wave. <laughs> Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But yeah. then you reached out and we ended up, I got you a, some opening work. Yeah. We worked together in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. You and me and Ryan Connor. Shout uh, out to Ryan Connor, who I have to have on the podcast. Another yeah, yeah. kid from Northern Virginia. Super funny. Great writer. Um, but also a nice, decent person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you don't find <laughs> in comedy that much. <laughs> it's hard to find sometimes. He told me he was actually driving through BV a few months ago or something with his girlfriend. And he's like, I actually know two comedians that came from this town. <laughs> She's like, what? There's only one Hardy's dude. I just watched the video and I try to tell my kid, do you remember that? Okay. Behind the R you go, there's the Hardy's right at the corner. Yep. But then there's a gas station that's across from that motel. And yeah. That that gas station right before you go out to town by the market. Yeah. Yeah. And that gas station had the first Pac-Man machine. And I remember <laughs> that Pac-Man machine. And I, I went from Southern Sim. I remember not having quarters and driving my bike down to that gas station just to hang out and watch people Why play Pac-Man. Pac <laughs> That oh, was my fucking amazing. child. And nobody watched me. I didn't tell my mom where I was going. <laughs> I got on a fucking bike with no pads. I yeah, probably yeah. had OP shorts, no underwear. <laughs> and I went down there and I hung out in the gas station and watched people play video games. Yeah. And it now, is, it's definitely like one of those towns you could grow up in where you didn't have to worry about your kid going out on his bike and whatever. You know. I'm talking to my older brother, Fitzy, as you know. Fitz graduated high school from there, and so did my sister. So those guys had a more of a high school experience there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was a uh, – it, it just – yeah, it was just uh, – you. oh, we were talking about the pool. So they had this public pool that's at this park called Glenmari Park, and the pool yeah. on top of the hill. Yeah. And we would literally on summer – on a Monday – you nobody went to summer camp ever here goes to summer camp. We just went to the pool, right? You go to we the went pool. to the pool. 
<laughs> and I would ride my bike. And Fitz remembers, like, we would stay there all day. And our, we didn't have phones or anything to call our parents. We remember just bumming rides from friends. Right. There are some people we knew, some people we didn't. Like, <laughs> yo, the pool's cool and we're stuck up here. Can you give us a ride? Like, we'd get in the back of a truck and just go home. Yes. And nobody cared. And I would no ride way. my bike up there. I remember there's a hill and I just remember going down. And the town is around these all these Blue Ridge Mountains. And the mountains don't look like Colorado mountains, but they're, they are big and green. Yeah. And they're right there. Like, you could literally go up in the mountains. Like, we had BB War fights up there. Yeah. I drove dirt bikes, like 150. I broke my leg uh, on yeah, chest. Yeah, that's right. You remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> just to let, I just got to be honest about my, uh, my stuff here uh the first time my my mom left town my dad had died so you know i had a lot of there was a lot of energy going on but i invited four friends over and one of them i don't think it was it was like alan mays jeff floyd then the one kid's mom brian no the one kid's mom owned the clothing store in town it was like but he had a he had a 120 motocross bike he just got it for christmas so he drove his motorcycle down <laughs> Illegal motorcycle with no, no, there was no license or anything. Right. It's like one of those <laughs> no dirt plates. bikes. He would take up it. He would take it up in the, I would ride on his bike and he would literally do motocross all around this mountain. Wow. But uh, we, he came to our house and I had a VCR and this is what, this is truly what I did. Like the first time I drank. Okay. I invited everybody over. We watched, <laughs> it was four dudes. We watched pornos. We smoked Switzer sweet cigars. <laughs> And we drank tequila. <laughs> and then That's I jumped party. on the kid's motorcycle. No. Yes. <laughs> and I ran it right into the tree that was 50 feet in front of me. And I broke my leg in two places. My, oh, and my tibula, both were pointing at me. Do you remember? <laughs> I had a cast up to here. Yeah, it was a huge cast. Huge cast. And my brother was playing basketball. Nobody was home. And so they couldn't give me painkillers for like 24 hours because my mom was in D.C. Oh, oh, God. It just got worse and worse. Did you have a helmet on? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like we were bad. Bad. We were bad. I was a bad. I was. If you know the song Dirty White Boy by Foreigner. <laughs> Dirty White Boy. You know, I was dipping skull when I was in the fourth and fifth grade. Like, I look at these guys that act like all Southern redneck tour or kid rock. I'm like, dude, you don't even know. I, I dip Gold River. They build you up. The tobacco industry builds you up. Gold River, which is candy. It doesn't even taste like anything. You yeah. Buy that at the store. First, you get Gold River. Then you get Hawkins. <laughs> and then you get Skull. Then you get Skull Long Hawk. And then once you graduate, Copenhagen. Yeah, Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> which is pure <laughs> ground cocaine, literally, that you would put in your lip. I remember dipping for the first time and literally turning green. Remember? No, I, I turned green. Like, I would look green. And then, but, but it was so, it was cool in this town. Am I wrong, oh, yeah. Tony? About skull and tobacco in the 80s in southern small towns. Like in our school, I remember radiators just smelling like tobacco spit, <laughs> like in yeah. the back, right? Because yeah, yeah. there's in the shop class, you were allowed to dip. And then there was a couple of the football coaches. That's right. 
uh, that you could dip and they would let the football players, nobody would call them. Everybody just dip. Everybody tobacco just fucking ran like just, just nasty ass tobacco juice. Just just was in all the radiators. You would go back there. I forgot about all that. Yeah. Tony, Tony Lipscomb. Who's the Lipscomb kid? There was these there was these Lipscomb kids. There, there was all I know all those families around there. Uh, so I can't wait to go back. I want to go back. I want to buy that coffee house thing. I want to sell. I want to open a dispensary in Buena Vista, Virginia. Yeah. That sells coffee and weed and get a band. Do you remember? Did you ever go canoeing? Because that coffee house place used to be a canoe rental shop and they had a tunnel underneath the highway so that you could take the uh, uh, the canoes right through the tunnel and uh, into the river. Shit, man. That's <laughs> I, I called about that piece of real estate. They gave they they quoted me a number, but it's down there. Yeah. Um, no, man, I need to make a move. I need to get a movie deal and then I need to buy that coffee <laughs> pot. And then, then I'm just gonna start podcasting from that pot coffee yeah. pot down there. So but yeah, yeah, I've been stop. on that river. That that actually is a beautiful place to picnic. I remember picnicking yeah. there. You could yep. fish. Yeah, I remember yeah. fishing down there. I remember getting a big fat bag of Uts. And get in a watermelon, you get some butts <laughs> chips, you get a watermelon, and everybody drank Dr. Pepper in this town. Everybody yeah. drank Dr. Pepper, and they would get Dr. Pepper in the glass bottles, and they would literally, it would be like milk. People would have like <laughs> cases of glass bottles of Dr. Pepper, like milk. Am I wrong, Tony? Am I, t I mean, no, you're exactly right. <laughs> I remember going to my friends just drinking like Dr. Pepper in the morning and shit. <laughs> Now they all have diabetes, but it's just <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It tasted good as hell, man. Dr. Pepper, you you have a Dr. Pepper at, at, at the right time. It really works out. Yeah. That was so much fun. I want to let you I'll let you go, Tony. We're getting towards the hour. Is there anything you, I just wanted to like talk about our pat and just let people know kind of where I come from. And you're kind of you're the only person in the comedy industry that knows. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. No. What was I like back then? Just let the viewers let, you, let people know just like where where so they understand me better. Like I think you have a pretty good bead on at least my uh image of your time in Beefy. Like I remember the first time I met you, we had like a middle school orientation and at the end of it, like somehow you ended up break dancing <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> I was nope. like, who is this kid? Where did he come from? And I, I was corn to break da break dancing was everything for me. Like everybody yeah. played football, but I would literally break dance in the basement. And I was good. I could pop it. I wasn't the best, but I was good. Yeah. And uh I do remember like you being a funny kid and but you were still on the football team. I'm like, ah, that kid's got it figured out. Like he gets to be himself, but he's still not going to get thrown in a trash can because <laughs> he's not on the football team. Yeah, all those guys, I made the football team laugh. Like I would always, I would make those guys laugh on the football team. And I wrestled, but I was also artistic and weird. And I wanted to get out of town. And I, you know, I remember just feeling a little bit like an outcast. Yeah. It was kind of racism. People would call me wigger or gay because I would break and pop. Yeah. They would just do that. Oh, he's just trying to be black. Like they would just, you know, a lot of people would blow me off. Or yeah. It was weird. But uh, but I would. Yeah. Comedy got me through. And I'm just saying wrestling and 
DC, you know, I just wasn't a, a, a lot of people think I'm kind of a pretty boy pushover, but it's like, I, grew up in uh, I, I don't know if you've heard, like, there's all this stuff with Jay Moore and Burt Kreischer and how Burt got slapped by Jay Moore or something. It's going out on this podcast, but I toured with both those guys. Like recently this happened? No, this was like a oh. three. I toured with oh. these guys. Yeah. Right when last comic. And now it's all coming out in these podcasts. And I'm trying to get Burt to go and talk about it, but I haven't. Yeah. I, I don't want to shake anybody's thing. Very but nice. I remember trying these dudes. Were, Jay Moore was trying to intimidate me. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I was like, he was trying to play Hollywood tough guy. And I'm like, Dude, I yeah. come from Northeast DC in the 70s and then the most hardcore redneck town in the South. Like, I'm gonna see, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. I've hung out with the roughest, meanest bullies there are. Like, yeah, you, I, you can't bully me worse than I got it in high yeah, school. You're not gonna bully me worse than I got it in high school or in North in Southeast DC in the 70s. Like, I got rocks yeah. literally thrown at my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> like people wanted to kill me. <laughs> I ran. Um, um, but Tony, I, I oh, the other one thing I got, I just wanted to bring it up. I got paddled in middle school at public school. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got paddled. A grown man, a grown man brought me in at a public school, brought me into an office and he was the football coach and had a paddle on the wall and literally took the paddle, told me to grab my testicles. That's, that's what he said. Grab your, grab your growing. Brian McGraw. So I got in this little scuffle, got in this fight with this kid. Like, you know, these, there was rough, little rough redneck kids. Yeah. That would fuck with you. <laughs> but I was also a spaz. So who knows what I was doing? I was probably breakdancing or spitting on somebody. Uh, so I got in a little fight with somebody. <laughs> and you can't get in the fight. And I, uh, you know, I wasn't into fights, but uh, it happened. And they were like, you can either take three licks or three days. That They literally said that three yeah. licks, which was a three hit with a wooden, <laughs> thick wooden paddle by yeah. a varsity middle-aged high like school. A grown man. Grown man. <laughs> and I was in the seventh grade because it was the middle school part. And whap, whap, whap. Like God. beat the shit out of my ass. Like I was crying. They may, they no, would do it hard enough for you to cry because we were like yeah. tough kids. So they right. they had to make us hurt or if it didn't hurt, we would just laugh it off. Right. So they would make it hurt. And I would just remember like, crying like it hurt so bad. Like it really. I, I'm thinking about the sting. And it was like that sting. Like in college, we did that. Like when we were drunk in the hallway or, you know, some goofy wrestling shit. But no, this was like, I just remember, I remember the state, just like, Kah! just yeah, like, yeah. and it wasn't like when somebody hits, it was like that next level of pain where you're like, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that insane to think about though? Like oh. that in our lifetime, a teacher <laughs> could teacher beat you. Paid by the government. School. Yes. At school. And because it was the South, man. I'm not guessing it. Um, but my dad's, I, I, you know, I don't have any, I'll never sue or bring it up. And I wasn't traumatized. If anything, it kind of straightened me out. Right. But it does just make me think about how times have changed and just like yeah. small town politics and how things are just, but I like how things are, I mean, as much as the media and stuff, but it's kind of cool that you and I can zoom during a pandemic and yeah. at all times. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. 
Tony, is there anything you want to plug? I hope I didn't talk over you. Or... Not at all, man. This has been so much fun. Um, yeah. I've got very little to plug because I've done <laughs> very little. Great albums. No, don't say that. <laughs> two great albums on Spotify. I was just checking them out. Like you. Oh, nice. You, you got, he has two great albums uh, stand up on Spotify, but go ahead, Tony. Yeah, they I actually I am proud of those albums. They were both like concept albums, <laughs> which I yeah. think the next, the next one's got to be a normal one. But uh, I did one called Comedy Road Trip, where each track was recorded at a different club or theater or there's a coffee shop on there. Because like the idea was like, you know, one album and one night. That's not what our life is as comedians. It's a different room every night and whatever. So I wanted the album to be that. So that's what I did. And. The next one, uh, my last one that came out last year was called uh, Secret Headliner. And it was uh, at a show where the audience just came in and they didn't promote who it was going to be. And I thought that's a really good way to figure out if the jokes are good enough or not, is to go and have an audience that has no idea who you are. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, and that's that's kind of you. Both of them are the life of a real stand-up comic, and that's what I yeah. say about you, Tony. Is like you really are not doing it for the super fame, and I think you're the same way as I am. It, it was just something that a craft that you loved, and it was yeah. a way to express yourself that was cool. And uh, I know you love Seinfeld and just the way he carries his life, and uh, meaning not getting a job, <laughs> being able to tell jokes. <laughs> For a living, yeah. which is one of the coolest things ever. Don't ever. It, it's the, yeah, to be able to succeed at this and uh, make a living at it, you know, we've we beat the odds. We beat the uh, odds. Where we come from, <laughs> you know, a lot of those guys. Who, Richie Seacrest? Do you know Richie Seacrest? Yeah. Well, I I roomed with Brent, who was probably his cousin, maybe. Yeah, I loved Richie Seacrest. Yeah, I went to college with Brent, and we were uh, freshman year roommates. Oh, really? Yeah. I I kind of remember Brent. Yeah. And he was cool. But Richard Seacree was, was the, the coolest kid in town. Like he was the older kid. He dated my sister and he had a great Jeep and he would pump Egyptian Lover, which is this old fucking <laughs> hip hop that I love. And he would break dance, too. And he was like 17. But uh, we used to drive up in the mountains because I was like 13. But it was this isn't going to get creepy. But <laughs> I just remember this is it was just like we used to drink wine coolers and drive around the mountains in his Jeep. <laughs> it wasn't like a big buzz, but it was just like some 80s. But the guy he ended up passing away, I think, from drunk driving. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't want to. Brent, I love you. I just want to say I remember Richie Seacrest. I remember BV. I remember Dinky Mountain. Uh, I remember the fighting blues. I remember yeah. Tony Deo. And I just <laughs> want to give love to everybody in the South and Virginia, just where I'm from, uh, where my dad's buried. Not that, it, you know, and now we're here in New York doing this. Yeah. Uh, there, oh, you toured with Chevy Chase. Can you give us? So Tony, <laughs> Tony Deo got to open for Chevy Chase for a year, which is huge. Like, He's an icon. It's like when I traveled yeah. with Tracy Morgan, that was a big deal. It's just there's some of these guys that are the last of the Mohicans that you yeah, see a little bit of the old show business, and they really are those dudes. Yeah, when uh, like that was when I got the email uh, <laughs> about working with Jeffy, 
I literally, I read it wrong the first time. I'm like, oh, there's a gig in Chevy Chase, Maryland that they want me to do. And they're like, no, this is Chevy Chase. And it, wow. it was unreal, man. Cause like every movie we watched in high school. Fletch was so big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fletch was like, like him and Bill Murray were like the coolest male figures for yep. us. Yeah, Caddyshack and there was a and time, Fletch. And Caddyshack and Fletch. Vacation. Him or Bill Murray. But there was a time where Chevy was fucking king. Like he yeah, just couldn't, you couldn't have gotten go wrong. Yep. Yeah. And he was the nicest guy. He, like, it, it was one of those things, like, you know, you hear, don't, don't meet your idols because they're going to let you down. Uh, it, it wasn't that way at all. He was so nice. He was... Uh, beyond kind and we had such an like just a great time <laughs> yeah awesome, yeah he's in inter- I, lo- I love there's a lot of stuff go big good and bad about chevy but what i've pulled from him was he was a new york kid yeah he's not a sucker like i think he's one of those guys that people think they could push him around when he was younger yeah but he was a new york city kid like he grew up in this crazy madness so he just especially back then, like people would try to take your money no matter who you are. And everybody's, you know, it's just like when I hang with Tracy Morgan and they just grew up in all of this and just so much ambition and hustle and personalities, you start to see through those guys. There's something to be said about people that grow up in New York that they just, there's a strength and there's a, you see through a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard the stories about Chevy too. And I, I spent a decent amount of time with him, and I saw none of it. So, yeah, at least with me, he was—he couldn't have been nicer. He's good to you. Yeah. Uh, did he tell you any? Did he bring up any Belushi stories or any? Uh, no, he didn't like Belushi, so he's not gonna. Yeah, we. Uh, I sort of avoided asking him about anything that I thought would, because you know, when you're with your hero, it, you just want it to be a good time. Yeah, you just <laughs> want to be a good time. You don't want to shake, especially when you're working. There's a check on the line. You yeah. want to just do the gig as professional. It's, there's something to be said about being as professional as possible. Yeah, you don't want to e- easy to get along with. They're an age, so you don't. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great time, and yeah, hopefully we get to do it again after this is all over oh i hope so i hope so yeah and i hope you and i we got to hang out and have lunch i'll wrap it up here tony you've been too good to be doing this and thank you oh, for no. canada's coffee hour yeah. i know you don't drink coffee you said you got no i do I remember you you do now i remember you had you said you you had some wrist issue for drumming and you had to back yeah. off caffeine do you remember yeah, this i do I, you know what i'd forgotten it until you mentioned it but i had uh yeah, I uh, I was having some wrist issues when I was playing with the symphony down in Texas. And I was about to get surgery on my wrist. And one of the other drummers said, hey, before you do that, try this thing. He's like, do you drink a lot of coffee? I'm like, I, I was drinking a decent amount at the time. He's like, just give up the coffee for three weeks and let me know. And the wrist issue went away completely. Wow. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I don't know how you remember that. <laughs> I remember all. I I do have a good detailed map, and I just uh, life is wild, and I try not. To, I try to live in the now and meditation and everything, but I do like the time capsules that I have in my brain that I can tap into, 
And yeah, I yeah. just remember how nice of a kid you were back in the eighties and you were smart and you always did the right thing and you were kind and cool and creative. And I'm just, I'm, I love you, Tony. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being on this podcast. Hey, I love you too, pal. Oh, thanks. I hear that. I, uh, you've been there for me. Uh, Tony helped me edit a, a film right after last comic standing. I would tour with uh, Jay Moore and Bert, and then Jay and I kind of fell out, and then I toured with Mitch Hedberg, and uh, and then he died. <laughs> so it was like, I went on a fucking, there was some crazy years there Yeah. Uh, that I saw the ups and downs of show business, but I'm just glad, I can't wait till this is all over and you you and I can hang and hopefully do do more podcasts. I want to have you back on the Cana yeah. Hour. I hope you come back on, buddy. Of course, anytime. We'll have you on the drums. Can you you have you been doing some music? Have you been playing some drums? I uh, I don't have my drums here in New York, uh, but there's a place here in Astoria where you can go and just rent them by the hour. So I can go play, and I take Carson over there to play, and it's fun. Yeah, that's we. I have one here that's a rehearsal space, and I've been going yeah. down there uh, with my Scarlet and been doing some rap tracks. So yeah. I just go into the room and I've been making beats just so I can wig out. Cause if I do it here at house, you know, everybody, I shake the whole apartment building and I start <laughs> screaming raps. Uh, yeah. But it's funny because it's like all death metal around me. So it's all like these birds <laughs> right. playing on this death metal. So my recordings had all this bleed through, but I gotta, I gotta re get the space when the death metal isn't there. <laughs> Yeah, you have to ask specifically when you rent the room. I'm like, can you make sure uh, Death no. to All isn't rehearsing next to me? Yeah, Napalm Death isn't right next door, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, Big Tone. I appreciate it, man. Everybody check out Tony Deo. He's the man. And uh, one love. All right, Tony. That's it. Take care, buddy. Take care.